Matthew 22, 41 through 46. And while you uh, keep your Bibles open there, we'll, we'll continue to look back to that text. But you'll also want to mark Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look over a couple of verses, Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. We'll look at those verses a little later on. Jesus is more than you think. Jesus is more than you think. Let's ask the Lord once again to help us this morning. Father, as we look to the passage that's been read and that we're going to study together, I guess we could say kind of the gist of the passage is that the Christ who was to come in Jesus' day and standing there speaking to those Pharisees, the Christ whom they were to be looking for was in reality far more than they thought of him, far more than they could imagine, and therefore they missed him when he did come and in fact was speaking to them. So there is a lesson for us. There's a tremendous lesson of application for all of our hearts, whether this morning, right here, right now, we are believers or we are unbelievers, that Christ is far more than we think. He is far more than we have ever imagined. And if we could just see that, if, if, you, if our minds could be cleared and our eyes could be opened and our hearts could be changed... So that we could just see the Christ in all of his glory and wonder and power. Then then we could not help but believe and love him and treasure him. For who he is and for all that he has done for us. And so that is our prayer this morning, all of us who are gathered, that, Lord, you would give us a sight to be able to behold the Christ and to be able to treasure him, and that we would be changed as a result, whether that mean that we are born again this morning or whether that mean we are refreshed and renewed in our faith this morning. So as we look to your word, we pray that your word would be at work in our hearts and lives, and we give you the glory for all that you're going to do. In Christ's name, amen. So the Pharisees have questioned Jesus. That's been a theme of the gospel of Matthew. The closer he gets to the cross, we're now in the week of passion. The closer he gets to the cross, the more questions are launched at Christ. The Pharisees question, the Sadducees question, they send others to question him. But every attempt to trick and to trap Jesus into saying something that would either be considered treasonous or blasphemous, every attempt of theirs has failed. So the lesson there would be if you're going to do away with Jesus, you're not going to outsmart him. You're not going to outwit him in a word game. And so they have 
They have finally reached the end of their malicious questions. Or we could say Jesus puts an end to their malicious question with a question of his own. A question of his own. They've made many attempts at Jesus, but it only takes one question from Jesus to silence them and and to put an end to theirs. They set out. Their goal in asking questions was not to get at the truth or to understand or know the truth. Their goal was to cause Jesus to stumble. But now they are being stumbled by him. And so they, they will not tolerate that any longer. So they, the scripture says from, from that time on that no one dared ask him any more questions. They didn't want to be put to shame anymore. They didn't want to... They didn't want the tables turned anymore. But it took a while. It took a while for that to sink in. They were very stubborn. They were very hate-filled. They were very set and determined to defeat Jesus. And their, their only uh, strategy at that point was this game of 20 questions. But you see, God had already determined that Jesus would, uh, would not be discredited and, and would not be uh, denied from word challenges of the religious groups that Jesus was going to be betrayed. That's how he's going to be arrested, not by the words of a trickster. But Jesus' question, on the other hand, was he, he didn't mean to stumble. He wasn't trying to stumble or to embarrass the Pharisees. He was questioning them so that they might stop, that they might Stop what they're doing and think. And think deeply. Think a little deeper about their motive. Think a little deeper about the subject matter. Think a little deeper about trying to discredit him and prove that he was not the Christ. To consider the scriptures. Jesus is always calling them back to the scriptures to showing them there's things that they're missing, there's things that they're misunderstanding, there's things that they refuse to see. So he's calling them back to consider the Scripture. They claim to be experts of the Scripture, so let's consider the Scripture. And to grasp a key doctrine, evidently they had entirely missed a key focus of the prophecy concerning the Messiah. Who is the Christ? He is far more than you think. So Jesus is far more than you think because he's the Christ. He's more than you have imagined. While they wanted to bog Jesus down with questions about taxes, they came to Jesus, let's talk about taxes. Well, that's the most eternally insignificant subject matter to raise with the Christ. Let's talk about taxes. Let's talk about the resurrection. Well, they wanted to try to deny the resurrection. That's why they brought it up. Or let's talk about which commandment is the greatest. Let's get into a wrestle and a, and a, and a tuggle and a, and a debate and an argument and let's compare the commandments. They were missing the key point of the messianic prophecy altogether. 
the central point. They miss the grandeur of a majestic forest of glorious truth because they were so busy nitpicking at the little shrubs along the way. So we would do well this morning to follow Jesus' point. He's far more than we think. Christ is far greater and far more glorious and wonderful and beyond our finite categories. He will not fit into our boxes. He's more than an historical religious figure, more than just the founder of Christianity, more than a spiritual guru or buddy, more than a ticket to heaven, more than just a man. He is God in the flesh. God, the almighty, the infinite, the eternal, the holy, in the flesh. And if the Pharisees could grasp that truth, all their other questions become insignificant. All their other questions actually become answered. All their other concerns about who Jesus is and what he has said and what he has done become so very clear when they understand who the Christ is. All of those questions about Jesus would have been answered, and so would ours. We have questions about Jesus. Is he enough? For what I'm going through, is Jesus enough? Is he sufficient for this life? And this hardship and this trial and this heartache, is he sufficient? Is he worth it? If I lay down my life, if I deny my life, if I give up my desires to pursue this life in opposite of God's will, is Christ worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Is he satisfying enough to complete my life? To fill this void, to quench the thirst of my soul, to give me peace in this life and hope for the next. Is he enough? If he's God, the answer to all of our soul-searching questions in this life, find their answer in him. Because he is far more than we think. So let's walk through this passage one more time and see where the Spirit might make application in our own hearts this morning. And the first thing we see is that these Pharisees, they had the right answer, but not the whole truth. The right answer, but not the whole truth. So when they were gathered and Jesus asked them a question, what do you think about the Christ whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. That was absolutely the right answer. The Christ who is to come would be a son of David. In 2 Samuel 7, God had promised David that it would be from his offspring. It would be his offspring that would sit on his throne, the throne of David. And sitting on that throne, he would establish the kingdom and he would rule and reign forever. It would be a son of David from the line of David. The Messiah would come as a son of David. And that's why, if you recall, when we began our study, 
verse by verse through the gospel of Matthew. The, first, the way that Matthew opens up his gospel is by a genealogy. And he goes to great detail in naming these names and naming this, this lineage of folks to prove that Jesus is a son of David. Showing how Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, descended from David. So this is absolutely the right answer. But it's not the whole truth. Yes, the Christ will be a son of David, but that points to his humanity alone. He will be born a son of David. That points to his humanity. But the Christ, who is the son of David, would also be the son of God. That's the whole truth. So the Pharisees' answer was an almost but not quite answer. Almost there, but not quite. And you've heard the saying about almost, haven't you? Have you? (laughs) Almost doesn't count except horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Almost, almost never works. Almost is almost never enough. For example, if you ask your child, are you telling the truth? And they say, almost. Is that enough? If you ask someone, well, how about it? Did you win the game? Well, almost. Almost. Well, when it comes to spiritual truth, when it comes to eternal matters, almost never suffices. Never suffices. If you only have half of Christ, you don't have Christ at all. He's more than you think. Let's look now at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. This is often a a Christmas passage. But this would have been a part of the Old Testament that the Pharisees would have been familiar with and they just missed. Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. At that point you could, you could still kind of reason the Messiah to come, that's his humanity. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, here it is, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, listen to this, there will be no end. So of his name and of his purpose and of his mission on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So now we are way beyond just a man. Way beyond just a man. 
back at wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and then to his kingdom, which is an everlasting, the zeal of the Lord of the host will do this. There's no doubt that Jesus was a man. He walked on the road. But that's only half the truth. He was also God. He walked on the water. There's no doubt that Jesus was a man. He fell asleep in the boat. But that's half the truth. He was also God because he calmed an angry sea. There's no doubt that Jesus was a man. He grew hungry. But that's half the truth. He was also God. He fed 5,000 with one meal. There's no doubt Jesus was a man. He died on a cross. But that's half the truth. He was also God. For on the third day, he rose from the dead. If the Pharisees could only see that Christ was more than they knew, they would have known that Jesus is indeed the Christ. They missed one point of doctrine. It happens to be one of the central points of doctrine. And they missed it all. They had the right answer, but not the whole truth. And the second thing we see about these Pharisees is being unable to answer really proves that something is missing. It proves that something is missing. So they said to him, the son of David, and Jesus said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Now I think there's, there's something very interesting going uh, on here when Jesus poses this question to the Pharisees. He's taking them to Scripture. He's taking them to the Old Testament, a familiar part of the Old Testament, the Psalms. Let's turn to Psalm 110. I, I want you to see this because this is not the point of Jesus' questioning. But in raising the question, as Jesus does, he's teaching us something about Scripture. And I just want you to see that, and then we'll get back to the passage. So there are two things that we can learn about the scripture from just the way Jesus asked the question. So back in Psalm 110, if you'll see with me, there's a superscription to Psalm 110. It says, a Psalm of David. Meaning, and that's part of scripture. That superscription is part of scripture. Now, if you have above that, I have in, in my Bible sit at my right hand in bold italics. That's the editors. That's the translators putting a summary note. That's not scripture. That's not inspired. That's not from God. That's the editors trying to say to the reader, this will give you an idea about this. But when it says a Psalm of David, that's scripture. And notice how Jesus uses it as scripture. So when Jesus quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, he says, David says. So Jesus 
affirms and confirms that the superscriptions in the psalm are scripture-inspired, historical, accurate. Jesus says, David wrote 110. But then he says something even beyond that. Notice how Jesus asked the question. He said, David, how is it then that David, and what's the next phrase? What is it? In the spirit. Did you hear that? How is it that David then, in the spirit. So not only is Jesus saying that the, the historical descriptions and authorship in the Psalms are accurate. Now Jesus is affirming the divine inspiration of the Old Testament scripture. Jesus says David was writing, but he was writing by the Spirit of God. It's a very important point in helping us. What did Jesus think of the Bible? Well, he thought it was historically trustworthy and accurate because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this gives us confidence, right, in the Scripture. This is the way Jesus considered it. All right, now, let's get back. That's a side note on, on the Scripture. You can believe it. It's trustworthy. It's accurate. It's inspired. It will not lead you astray. It will lead you to life. It will lead you to salvation. It will lead you to Christ. So don't miss what's in there. Lesson to the Pharisees. Don't miss what's in there. So in other words, Jesus is asking now the Pharisees this question. He's asking, if the Messiah is David's son and is under him, as his son, he's under him in authority and power, how is he his Lord over him in authority and power? If the Messiah is David's son, that is someone who comes after him, then how is he already before him in time? How is he already his Lord if he's to come after him? And that was a question that the best scriptural minds of the day, those who boast of knowing the scripture, would boggle their minds. They could not answer, even though the scripture was very clear and plain as to how that was to be. You see, their inability to answer a question that was settled in scripture that was spoken of in Scripture, that was clear and plain in Scripture. Their inability to answer that question settled in Scripture demonstrated that something was missing. And sometimes the very same things come to the surface in our lives. Our very inability to just straightforwardly, clearly answer the questions in our lives that are already settled in Scripture demonstrates so vividly that something is missing. Something crucial and something central is missing in our hearts in our lives they couldn't see the truth they resisted the truth their eyes were blind they thought they could see already 
They didn't know all they thought they knew. Their hearts were dull. They had invested so much time and thought plotting against Jesus, trying to stump him with a question. Now that Jesus stumps them with a question, it proves what was true all along. Jesus is not the one who's guilty and in need. It was them. That's why they were so hostile to Christ and his authority. That's why they were so blind to the scripture. It was them who were in need of grace and transformation and correction and salvation. And we too have questions without answers in our lives. Sometimes those questions reveal that we need Jesus. We need him as our Savior and Lord. We have never truly been born again. He has never become our Savior and Lord. We need Christ in our lives. Why isn't this life or this person making me happy? Why am I miserable? Why is my life not being fulfilled? Why are are all of these things that, that seem to make everybody else happy not making me happy? Why can I not be settled, going my own way, doing my own thing? There's an answer to that question. Jesus is the fountain of life. Sometimes we have questions without answers that reveal we just need a closer walk with the Lord. We know the Lord, but we, we've drifted. We've, things have come in between us and, and distance our relationship with God, our closeness with, with Christ. Why is this happening to me? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? What do I need to do next? Where do I need to go? What is going on in my life? There are answers to those questions. And so many times the answer is simply just a closer walk with our Lord. Have you been searching for an answer? Have you been wrestling in your spirit and in your soul? Are you comfortable with no affection and desire for Christ whatsoever? I was sharing my testimony earlier this week with a young man and, and it just made me think once again back before I knew the Lord, I was so comfortable without him. I was, I was in church. I was in Sunday school. I was in the youth group. I was involved in everything the church did, but I didn't need From my perspective, I didn't think I needed anything. I didn't need Jesus. I was comfortable in my life without him until my eyes were opened. And I realized how despairing my life truly was without him. Have you been searching for an answer? It's time to come to Jesus. Today is the day and find the answer. So the last thing we'll talk about, let's just kind of, the third point just kind of sums it up for us. The whole truth and the whole Christ. The whole truth and the whole Christ. The whole truth is that Christ is not only 
100% man, he's also 100% God. He was not only born of Mary, he was born of the virgin Mary. The Christ must be the God-man if he is to be our Savior. He must be a man if he is to live a righteous life as a man, fully pleasing to the Father, always abiding by the Father's will, so that his life would be a life of righteousness, so that he might bestow that righteousness on us who are unrighteous, that we too might be righteous before the Lord. He must be a man, but he also must be God if he is to satisfy the righteousness of God, for only God can satisfy God. Sinners never will. He must be a man, for man alone can make sacrifice for man's sin. Man sinned, man must make it right. He must be a man. But he must be God, for only God can make a sacrifice that's final and full and complete. If man's sin has separated him from God, and if God's holiness spurns sin, then the only way to reconcile sinners to a holy God is for a mediator to stand in between them and bring them together, to unite them, to reconcile them, a Savior who can rescue the sinner and reconcile him to the Father. He must be. He has to be. 100% man and 100% God. Fully man, fully God, the God-man. And that's why Jesus declares in John 14, 6, he's not being arrogant. He's not being exclusive. He's being truthful. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He's the God-man. David was going to have a son who would rule the nations... But David needed more than a son. He needed a savior. You hear that, church? David was promised a son. You're going to have a son, and he's going to sit on your throne, and he's going to establish the kingdom, and he's going to reign. Well, that's great. David, David's going to have a son, but he needed a savior. David was a liar. David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. He needed more than a son. He needed salvation. He needed more than a promise that one would rule his throne. He needed the promise that one is coming to rule your heart. And so do we. So do we. Jesus is far more than you think. Last passage, we'll close with this. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. 
when I was thinking about this, how to communicate Jesus is so much more than we think. Because our view of Christ is so little. He's just kind of a spiritual pick-me-up on Monday morning or a ticket to heaven or the guy we talk about at church or my stamp of approval for living any way that I want to live because Jesus loves me. He is, he's so much more than we think. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse Verse 1, let's just read a a few of these verses. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So he's he's talking about the books of the Old Testament. But, look at verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now listen, he's going to tell us, he's going to ascribe to us Christ. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Christ. That's the Savior. Of the world. That's who you need. That's who I need. Do we have him? Do you have him? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you once again for your scripture, your word that you've given to us, and allowing us to see more of Christ today. And so we pray, Father, from what we've seen, if we have seen. Some of us have been thrilled, some of us have been bored. If we have seen, Father, help us believe. He's the answer. Your son is the answer. Transform us today. Create in us clean new hearts that that thrive on Christ, that that beat and live for Christ. May we see him in his, as the scripture says, radiant glory and be enthralled with him and be transformed by him. 
So, Father, if we are apart from Christ today, would you draw us to saving faith in him? If we have distanced ourselves from Christ, would you draw us back to that fresh, close walk with the Lord? Do your will and have your way in our hearts, we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.